Well, thank you so much for being here and joining us in online as part of, uh, as we're kicking off a brand new series uh, entitled Prove It. My name's Doug and I'm one of the pastors. And, and again, we are so, so glad uh, that you are here. And so we kind of want to start with a question about proving it. And, and, and I remember there's a lot of times in our lives that we have to prove stuff. And I remember when I was a little kid, one of the most unusual times I had to prove it. I was about uh, 13. I, actually, I was 13, almost soon to be 14. And, and my father had taken me to go hunting. And so we were uh, bird hunting and that's we we're in a field, we're dove hunting. And so you get in a field and you space yourself out safely uh, uh, to hunt. So I had a blind, what would be called a blind that I was in. And I was hunting and my father was at another, another blind on the other side of the field. And so we were hunting on this this particular day and being uh, under the age of 16 in the state of North Carolina you can hunt as a child off your parents license and so we're out in the field and I'm hunting now before that day started my father told me hey just be prepared uh, the game warden might walk up and you need to be aware of that and just tell him that you're how old you are and be honest with him and don't worry it's no big deal and then send him up to me and so on that particular day sure enough the game warden showed up and uh, we're on the field he shows up he walks up and he says uh, hello young man uh, can I talk to you man I'm the game warden I said sure not a problem and so as my father had told me I had an over and under shotgun I broke it down I pulled the shells out and so I'm standing there and I'm talking to this game warden and he asked me how's it going a little small chat and then he says uh, can you show me your license and I said well sir I said I'm actually 13 years old I'm going to be 14 in a few days and my father uh, whose name is Jim Irvin is, is up on, on this blind right over there and he looks at me and he goes really you're you're 13. I said, well, technically, I said, I'll be 14 in a few days in about three or four. I said, actually, September the 8th. And he said, so, he said, tell me, son, what, what year were you born? I said, 1962. And, uh, and, and he looked at me and he said, he said, you know, you're, you're awful big. And, and, and what you need to know is at 13 years old, I stood about five, eight, five, eight and a half, weighed about 180 pounds and was already growing a mustache. And so he looked at me and he said, are you sure? And I said, yes, sir. He, he said, uh, and that's your father up there? I said, yes, sir. I said, I'm hunting off of his license. And, um, and he said, well, here's, here's the deal. You need to stay right here. He said, I'm going to find you because what I don't like is a liar. And, and I'm not saying you're lying. I said, but I'm just, I've got to go find out. He said, so don't go anywhere. You stay right here. And I said, yes, sir. I said, can I keep hunting? He said, absolutely. He said, I'm going to walk around the edge of the field and go talk to your dad. And so I, I went back. He walked on. I started hunting again. And then my father tells me this story. So the game warden walks up to him and he says, uh, he walks in, he says, excuse me, sir. I said, I'm a game warden, and I need to talk to you. And Dad said, sure, not a problem. And he said, um, he said uh, who's that gentleman down there on the other side? He said, that one down there? He said, yes, sir, that one right down there. Um, and my dad goes, that one with the over and under shotgun? He said, yes, sir. I said, he said, that's my son. His name's Doug. And uh, he said, that's your son? He said, yes, sir, that's my son. 
He said, uh, so let me, Mr. Irving, can I see your license? And so dad pulls his license out and he shows him the license and dad had a legitimate license. And so the, the game warden goes, <clears throat> okay, so here's my problem. That man down there, <laughs> how can he be your son? And dad said, yeah, he's my son. He said, in the warning, when's his birthday? He said, well, it's coming up in a few days. September the 8th, he was born in 1962, and actually right here in Davie County. And so uh, North Carolina, which is where we were hunting. And, and the game warden says, so is there any way you can prove that? And so my father, being the kind of man that he was, he said, yeah, absolutely. So he reaches down into a bottom pocket and he pulls out, and he pulls out a copy of my birth certificate. He said, I figured you was going to be here, and I figured you were going to ask that question. And so, bam, here it is. I proved it. And so, and so the, the game warden looks at my dad, and he goes, man, you're growing big. And my dad said, yeah, you ought to try feeding that boy. He can eat a whole chicken all on his own. But, uh, yeah, I was a young man, but, but the point of the story is we had to prove, prove it. And, and that may be an unusual story for you, I know, and that was a long time ago, but we have to prove stuff all the time. Uh, I have to prove that I've taken the trash out. I have to prove that I, I've mowed the yard. I have to prove it. Maybe you're a student and I've had to do my homework or, or I had to turn in a project. Or, or maybe, maybe you're, you're in the workforce and you have deliverables that your boss said you need to deliver on these days this work and you had to prove that you accomplished that work. I mean, there, there's a multitude of things that, that we have to prove in our lives. Maybe, just maybe, there's been a time where uh, you got not pulled over, but you, uh, you were in a license check, and the, and the police officer says, can you show me your license to prove you're a licensed driver? And you have to produce your license. And so we, we go through this whole idea of proving it all the time. And so when we think about proving it, Sometimes it's, it's that, it's proving. Sometimes it's backing up our story and, 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 and making sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But I wonder, I just wonder, if you've ever asked the question, could I prove that I'm a Christian? Could I prove it that, that I'm a, a follower of Jesus? I wonder if we can answer this question, this statement, prove that you're a Christian. Now, now I've been hanging around believers, followers of Jesus for a long time. And, and quite frankly, I've had this question asked uh, to me. I've had people ask this question, trying to figure out their, 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 their salvation, if they were saved or not, if they were actually a follower of Jesus. And, and over the years, these are some of the things that I heard about how they said they proved that they were a follower of Jesus. One, on the negative side, a lot of people answer this question, I'm going to prove, uh, how can I prove that I'm a Christian or a follower of Jesus? In the negative, they'll go, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't cuss, I don't steal, I don't look at porn, and I don't do bad things. I mean, generally speaking, that's what some people say. I, I've heard all these replies. To, on the negative side, I don't do whatever that is, I don't do it. Now, I'm just saying what they said. Now, on the other side, it's the positive side. And so people go, well, I go to church, I give my money to the church or another organization, I serve at the church, I serve in a ministry outside the church, I help people, I do good things. And they answer it in a positive way. These are the things that I do to prove 
that I am a follower of Jesus. And so some of you may be thinking, if you're a believer and been a believer for a while, a follower of Jesus, that is, you might be thinking, oh yeah, I know where he's going. I know where he's going. Because you remember uh, that there's a, a, a book in the Bible in the New Testament called James. Now, here's what you need to know about James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. Okay, so at first, when Jesus started his ministry and he was doing a whole lot of stuff, James didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe that Jesus had come to give him life. He didn't believe any of that. He, quite frankly, was skeptical of his brother. But then with the, the, the death and the burial and the resurrection, it transformed him and he believed that Jesus was the Son of God. He believed that and he became a leader in the church and then he wrote, he wrote a letter and that letter ultimately became part of the New Testament in the book, and, and we call it the book of James. And in the book of James, he writes this. He says, you have faith for you believe that there's one God good for you. I'm glad you say you have faith. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. What does that mean? That means that there are people out there who are walking, yeah, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, and they are right in line with the demons. Now, the demons have not benefited from their belief, have they? <laughs> no, not hardly. Not hardly. And so he says... How foolish can you be? You can't, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? How can we say we believe in follower of Jesus and not reflect that element in our lives? Now, James picked that up from his older brother Jesus, if I can say it that way. But I wonder, did you know that Jesus had his own perspective on this question or this statement? How can you prove that you're my follower? And so I want to walk through several scriptures with you about what Jesus has to say about proving that you're a follower of Jesus. A follower of him. Take a look at this. In Matthew chapter 7. Now Matthew was an eyewitness. This, he was an eyewitness to what was going on. He heard these words of Jesus. He recorded them. And he's an eyewitness. And this is what he had to say. In chapter 7 of Matthew. Now here's what you need to know. The context of this piece. Jesus has been talking. He started this sermon in chapter 5. In the breakdown, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a whole lot of blessed, blessed are you who do this and do that. And he said, you're the light of the world. And he goes, it's, it's really good. So he said, turn the other cheek. That's the whole turn the other cheek passage. That's all in there. And he, he, he gets to this point and he goes, he's winding down the sermon. And he goes, hey, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Hmm, sounds like those people who, who have faith. And James says, show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. And, and he, they say, Lord, Lord, they're not going to make it. But only the one who does 
the will of my Father. Isn't that interesting? Who does? See this word right here? That's a crucial word right there. Does. He who, who does. She, he, she, or she who does the will of my Father. That's the one who's going to get into heaven. That's the one who's going to experience life and life to the full. The one who does the will of my Father. See what Jesus is saying? He said, listen, you can believe him, but you need to be doing. All right? And, and Hang with me now. Hang with me now. So watch this. So later on in chapter 7, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Puts them into practice. Puts them into practice. I mean, again, that idea of doing it. you, you got to hear the words of Jesus. If you're going to prove that you're a follower of Jesus, it's hearing the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. Look what he says right here. And John. Now, John, again, he was an eyewitness. He was a follower of Jesus. He was one of the original disciples. He was follower of him. He saw him. He heard him. He hung out with him for three years. John's a great eyewitness account. And in that eyewitness account, he's writing these things. And then look what he says. He, he records this. But those who do, well, again, we're in chapter 3. Matter of fact, that's close to that uh, 316 passage as a whole lot of people know. John 316. You can look that up if you need to. But those who do what, it, do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. There's a whole lot of doing in there. So it's not necessarily, again, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and, and add just a little bit right here. Is it not necessarily just believing, but there's an element of doing. Again, John, eyewitness, he's in chapter 13, and he writes this. Again, this is Jesus talking. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. Now, let me give you a little context. He has this, he's just about to die. He knows he's about to die. He's with his, his 12 disciples. They are celebrating what's called the Passover meal. Passover is a meal that the, the Jewish people celebrated after they, were, they came out of slavery from Egypt. And they celebrated this Passover to set them free to head them into their new, to their new destination, to move them out of slavery and to move them in what they called the promised land. And so they've sat down and ate, and then Jesus does something. He takes, he, he takes his robe off, he grabs a towel, he grabs a basin, and he washes everybody's feet. And then he says this, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, what should you do? Go out and believe? Mm -hmm. He says, you ought to wash each other's feet. You ought to go do it. You ought to go wash. Now, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to go and wash everybody's feet, but there's an element of being a servant to other people, which is what Jesus showed. Look what he said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. We should do what Jesus has done to us. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the, the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for believing them, 
for having the right set of, of doctrine or, or, or in, in, in doing some what we would call the right things. No, for doing what Jesus did, doing these things. In chapter 14, and Jesus is about, these are some of his last words before he gets crucified. He turns, turns out and says, hey, listen, if you love me, obey. Obey my commandments. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to make a case. I'm trying to make a case to you that Jesus talked a whole lot about doing, if we're going to believe, to prove who we are, there's a do element. John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments. See, there's, the, there's, there's an element of believing right here. I believe accept my commandments, and, oh, there's an and in there, obey are the ones who love me. Well, this is really interesting. I mean, because, I mean, didn't, I mean, I thought that salvation was just about belief, and, and you don't work for that, right? I mean, some, you've heard, maybe you've heard that, I don't know, that it's by grace, and it absolutely is by grace. We can only come to God through Jesus. We can only experience life, the full and meaningful life, the joyful life, the abundant life that Jesus has for us. We can only experience that in and through Jesus by believing in who he is, accepting what he's done for us, receiving that into our lives. That is that element of new life. In the church world, we call that salvation. And in that new life, something takes place. What Jesus has been talking about, all these phrases that we've been looking at from Jesus, this is what we're talking about. Jesus said, listen, if your life is changed, man, you're going you're gonna to believe in me. And if you believe in me, then, then, then you're out of love and, and adoration and out of excitement and out of this new life in me. You're going to go live these things out. You're going to go do them. See, what Jesus is talking about is a phrase we use around here. It's called willful obedience. See, willful obedience is by definition deep in the Christian world. And that's an insider word. Okay? And, and I want to I use that word deep because to some element I am talking to a whole lot of believers, but I'm also talking to unbelievers, and so you need to know a little bit of, of insider language. And deep means deep means this, that they know the details, they know the nuances, they know uh, the, the, there are levels of truth to be found. And that's what in, the, in our circle as believers, we refer to as deep. And I can tell you that I believe that's a lie from the pit of hell. I don't think that's what deep is. I think we've been snowed. Because deep is life transformation. That's what deep is. 
Any time that our life changes because we've encountered Jesus and we have this new life in our life, we begin to live this joyful, wonderful, awesome, ecstatic life. Now, it doesn't mean all the circumstances going to line up. doesn't mean I'm going to have everything I need to do. doesn't mean I walk up to God and put my quarters or my dollars into a machine and push a button and get out what I want. doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean that I have Jesus. And because I have Jesus, I have life that comes through Him, which is different than regular life. It's to the full. And because I have that life, as a result of recognizing who Jesus is and what He did for me, I live this joyful, willful obedience. It's not a have to it's a get to. You see, I believe that our pursuit of God is intentional. It's not a haphazard pursuit, it's an intentional pursuit. It's a willful pursuit, but it's one that is done because I want to. It is never done out of a have to. Obedience to Jesus is, 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 I am not trying to get something from him. See, here's what a lot of people think. If I do enough good things, if I'm obedient to Jesus, then he's going to give me life. He's going to give me eternal life. I'm going to get life in here and there. Now I'm going to get eternal life. If I do enough good things, this is going to happen. As a result, here's the proper way. As a result of believing in Jesus, as a result of trusting in Him, as a result of following Him, I have life. I have a full and meaningful life. And as a result of that, then I'm going to walk in obedience to Him because I love Him, because I care for Him, because He's, he's the most important one in my life. It's a result, the obedience part is a result of what is taking place here by faith. So here's the money question for this morning, or whatever time you're watching this. What is it that we're supposed to be obedient to? Again, what are we trying to do? We're trying to prove that we're followers of Jesus. So what are we supposed to be obedient to? Remember that checklist? Let me throw it back up here for you. The negative. Uh, the, again, these are what some people say. I'm not saying this is, is right. I'm just saying this is what people say. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do this. You remember that list? You remember the positive list? I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. Yeah, I remember all that. So... What is it to prove that you're a follower of Jesus? Remember, we're trying to understand what Jesus has to say about this. And of all of his teachings, he landed, and he landed hard. He landed hard and fast on proving it. Again, this is John. We're in chapter 13. 
And Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Now I'm telling you something brand new. I'm telling you something brand spanking new. This is a new commandment. You need to be doing this. Why? Because you're in a loving relationship with me. Because I love you and I've proven that. And therefore, I, I do know the best for you. And I, I, know, I know these wonderful things I have for you. And, and, and I want you to live this full and meaningful life. And he, so he goes, I've got this new commandment for you. Love each other. Wow, that doesn't look like a don't do and do do, right? I mean, I mean how do you quantify love each other? Love each other just as I have, oh, he does quantify it. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now, pause right here just for a second. Just as I have loved you. How did Jesus love you? Well, he gave up his rights. Do you know that? I mean, he, he, was in heaven. He is God. He was with God. He, he was in the beginning. He is and was and will be. I mean, I, I know that's a, that's a weird thing to think about. But he's sitting on a heavenly throne in theory. And he leaves that position of authority and power and he becomes a baby. And he has to go through adolescence. My goodness. And he's got to do everything that we know about, that we can read about in, in, in the New Testament books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But think of everything he gave up. He gave up his rights to love us. And he said, as, as I've loved you, you need to love other people. Woo! Man, what do I have a right to? Well, there's a lot of rights I got to give up to love somebody else. I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will do what? <laughs> I love this. Prove to the world that you are my disciples. And there it is. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. Having this love, if we love like Jesus loved, Jesus who gave up everything, who actually gave up his will when he looked to God, I can prove that, but he gave up his will and he said, God, I will do what you want rather than what I want, rather than what I desire, rather than the way I think it should be, the way that it could be. I will, I will sacrifice what I want for what you want. And that's love. And Jesus modeled that and he said, Now I want you to go and love one another the same way that I loved you. And when you do that, you prove to the world that you are my disciple. So here's the challenge. What I want is I want all of us to do this. I want us this week to wrestle. And I chose that word because I think that's a great word. Because wrestling, when you get on a, a wrestling mat, 
And I've wrestled in my life, and I've coached wrestling, and here's what takes place. Those are some of the most strenuous moments. In a, in a middle school level, uh, or it's a one-minute, you do a one-minute round. In a high school, it's a two-minute round. Collegiate, it's, just a, it's a little bit more, but I'm going to tell you, when you finish one round, you're exhausted, and you got two more to go. That's why I want you to wrestle with this. I, I hope that this keeps you up at night because it's keeping me up at night. Wrestle this week with the idea that Jesus said to prove you are his disciples is to love one another. I want to wrestle with that. I want us to wrestle with that out of this message. What does it mean to love one another? Because I am supposed to be obedient to that out of joy. How do I get there? How do I figure out? So this week, this is the challenge. Wrestle with the idea that Jesus said to prove your disciples is to love one another. Second part of the challenge is do this. Wrestle. I want you to come back for the next three weeks. I want you to show up on, uh, online or if you're in the Charlotte area, I want you to show up in person. Why? I want you to show up ready to learn. Learn, because over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to love one another. Why? Because we want to prove to the world that we are followers of Jesus. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but followers of Jesus have a terrible reputation in North America. We do. Matter of fact, we, because of the reputation that's been created by the big church, Jesus has become... Irrelevant. This is why this is so important. So I want you to I want you to come in person. If you're close by, come in person. If it's impossible for you to come, that's fine. Watch online. Be a part of what's online. The next three weeks, put it on your calendar. Make it a priority. Learn. Become and not just come. Be ready. Ready to learn, but not just ready to learn. Be ready to implement. Ready to take what God says to us and then to implement that in our life, which is willful obedience. So that we can implement ways to love one another. And thus, we prove to the world with willful obedience that we are followers of Jesus. I know that's a big wrestle. That's a big ask. It's my hope and prayer that we'll do this so that Jesus becomes relevant again and we prove that we are followers of Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much. We thank You that You love us. We thank You that You care for us. We thank You that out of a love relationship, we recognize that you have the best for us. You have, you, you, you have um, all that we need for us. And, and you have plans and purposes for us. And, and when we willfully follow you out of that love relationship, we become blessed. And we get to, not that we have to, because you're a loving Father who sent your Son Jesus to us. And we thank you. 
Help us to understand what it means to love as Jesus loved so that we can love one another, proving that we are his followers. In the name of Jesus, amen. So thanks again uh, for being here and being a part of what God is doing. And, and by way of benediction, I want to share with you that, that breathe this in your life, that by the power of God, you can follow this new command from Jesus. As it says, just as I, Jesus speaking, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. That is my hope and prayer that as we leave, that we will be blessed by that in the name of Jesus. Listen, if this has encouraged you in any way, if this message has helped you, if, if the singing has impacted you and our, our whole service has, has helped you along the way, I encourage you to like it. I encourage you to share it. Here's why. Because there's other people just like you. There's other people around that are just like you that need to hear a message just like this. And if this life is, is if this has changed you in some way and you've been impacted, I would encourage you to give. You can go to our website. You can click on uh, give and you'll be able to give. And here's why. Because people have given to make this happen and you can give to make this happen for other people. Thank you guys for being here. I hope and pray you have a great week.